we're going to talk about narcissism today. I'm studying I'm in clinical school for clinical psychology and I'm learning about all sorts of different things. And like last quarter, I learned about narcissistic personality disorder. And I just wrote a like journal article review thing about talking about narcissism and relationships, but it was more like narcissism as a spectrum. So it's not necessarily like you have a personality disorder. It's just uh, maybe you fall higher in that world versus other people. And then of course there's healthy narcissism. So anyway, I'm super excited about this. And I also feel like it's one of those words nowadays that is, that's overused and like a hot button word, like it, for anyone who's ever unkind to you, it's like, oh, they're a, they're a narcissist, you know? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Well, um, I, that, well, that's one of the reasons I'm excited about this episode and excited about gaining wisdom from your knowledge is because I've been called that in pretty much every relationship I've ever been in. Now, what? I guess we're going to find out at the end of the episode because you have a quiz for me to see if I am one. But yeah, people, I mean, here's what I know I am. I, I am self-centered in that. I see my life as a movie, and guess who the star is? It ain't you, and right. it ain't that my neighbor, Bob. Right. It's me, Clint right. Wells, because I live with me. I am right. me. I don't think that's even the same as being selfish. I mean, I feel like I feel like I have areas of my life where I'm very generous. Yeah. But I am self-centered, and I do have a strong personality, and I'm good at arguing. Mm. And so, yeah, so it's like, oh, well, you're a narcissist. It's like, well, I don't think you know what that means. I don't know if being good at arguing is is can equate to being a narcissist. First of all, two things. One, disclaimer, neither you nor I have the ability or the or the know-how to decide if someone is or is not someone who has narcissistic personality disorder or even to say they are, they suffer with narcissism, right? We can pontificate, but we don't actually have that ability. Right. And if that's news to you as a listener, then you are a dumb dumb. Yes. This is a hundred percent for my own anxiety of saying this disclaimer. Second disclaimer is even if we did have the know-how to do that, uh, it would be unethical to ever diagnose someone without seeing them. So we're not doing that. We're just having fun, y'all. We're just talking through stuff together. I feel like I'm going to get exonerated and I can't wait. It's happening. Mostly. We'll see. Because here's the thing. I took a I took a test, a very official internet test about narcissism. It's 40 questions. Right. And I have my results, of which I will share at the end of this episode. After I give you the test, and then we will we'll reveal both of our results. What do you think about that? And then that? we will rename the podcast to A to Z Narcissism with Clinton Katie. <laughs> a to Z with Clinton Katie, two narcissists hanging out, sharing life and thinking they're super grand. Yeah, delusions of grandeur is like a big hallmark of it, right? I remember looking it up in therapy once because I was like... In therapy? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You Wait, okay, can we talk about this? Uh, Yeah. Okay, so you were in a therapy session. Yes. And you were Googling narcissism at the yeah. behest of, of your partner or your therapist? We It was in couples therapy. This is not with my current wife, by the way. Oh, okay, okay. But she listens to this podcast. I can't remember if she's ever called me a narcissist. I think she has, actually. We'll have, well, I'll find out as soon as this drops. God knows. <laughs> um, but uh, I remember we were talking about it in like couples therapy. And I was like, you know, I think that, you know, we used to go into therapy and our therapists would be like, hey, listen, you guys need to have like work you want to do. Like, mm -hmm. you need to come in here with purpose, which I liked about that. You mm -hmm. know, it was like, and we were spending a lot of money on it. And so my ex wife called me a narcissist a lot. And I was like, it really bugged me. And we would argue about it. And so then that was, we went in that day and I was like, yeah, here's one, here's what I would like to talk about today with like, you know, an unbiased third party that we're paying whatever, $150 an hour to, <laughs> right. to listen to our problems is I was like, I'm not a goddamn narcissist. And she keeps calling me that. And she's like, well, you argue, you know, her, her like contextualization of it from like movies was like, well, that's exactly what a narcissist would say. Um, so I like looked it up while we were in there. I see. What was you know the, what I mean? did, did there, was there any resolution to that, to that uh, debate? Did the therapist God. have any words of wisdom? Yeah, we got divorced after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, the short term. Um, I, who knows? I can't remember. It was so long ago. And yeah. I think the therapist was, it was in a tough spot because me and my ex-wife were very strong personalities. We were both smart. Right. And I, and they were kind of new to the profession. It was actually a friend of ours. It's like when you hire wow. your friend who just got a real estate license to like help you buy a house. So yeah, that's tricky. I think they did the best they could. I think we concluded in that room that I wasn't a narcissist, but who knows? Who knows? Enough about me. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it I out love that I've I love that I've made a great case of me not being a narcissist by making this whole episode about me so far. <laughs> 
but I've asked questions. I I, I guided us there. Um, let me let me give you a, a wee bit of of basic background before we get to present day narcissism. So it's been around. The concept has been around for a super long time, but it wasn't until the late 1800s that it was sort of started to be defined in psychological terms. And then it was like, it was a lot about sexual perversion. Um, Hell yeah, let's go. Yeah. Uh, later on, uh, Ernest Jones in 1913 kind of shifted it over to this God complex and like labeled it a character flaw. And he, you know, said it was like people being having a God p- complex was like, equated to being aloof and inaccessible and self-admiring and you know you have these fantasies of of omnipotence um and that people like this had a high need for uniqueness am i misremembering it doesn't is it come from like a, a greek god or something that looked in the mirror all the time that was way back in the day yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so there was like a god called narcissus yes and he like looks in the thing in the in the in the river or whatever sees his face and then like right. never look away can't, or something can't look like away. that yeah yeah which is me to a t by the way i haven't looked in a mirror in like 15 <laughs> years because i hate the way i look so yeah i'm definitely you're feeling good right edging now. myself out of this yeah. yeah i like it freud came out in 1914 and published his theory of narcissism uh mm. and he talked about you know freud is complicated but he was talking about narcissism can be healthy and it, and it kind of like evolves over time that it was a necessary stage between autoeroticism and object love and then love for others hmm. which i don't totally understand freud is uh He's he's he had some good good jumping off points, but he's a little too into his parents. He needs he needs to relax about that. I'm a huge Freud fan. I've read a lot of his work. Uh, I toured with a guy once who believed that the um, other than something like Hitler, mm-hmm. he believed that like one of the most evil and pernicious uh, and one of the worst things that ever happened to civilized society were Freud's ideas about sex. That those were the worst. Yeah, he told me that in a van while we were driving down the highway, and I told him I. I think that was probably the, one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. Interesting. He, well, he, first of all, he was extremely religious and oh, extremely yeah. self-righteous mm-hmm. and extremely unintelligent. Mm-hmm. And in those circles, I dabbled in those evangelical circles for a very long time at a very high level, meaning right. I wanted to go to seminary. I went to Bible college, studied the Bible, was extremely religious. So I know that world and I know him. And what happens in that world is someone like him, who's kind of a charming talker and he was an artist and a musician is he was able to mask how kind of unread and dumb he was right. by by that world. That world protected him from the real world, which goes, well, have you ever read any of it? Right. To which he said, no. <laughs> he had it. starting off point. You know what happened? He read some other dumb theologian who said that sentence, and he just parroted it in like social com- context as currency. Mm-hmm. And then he came across little old me, who I didn't know anything about all that. I just read it because I liked it. I thought right. it was interesting. Right. Less of his like psychoanalysis like your dreams are helping you understand reality i don't b- believe in that and I, that's been debunked and but this was also in the early 1900s right but his books about like philosophy there's one called civilization and discontents and then his stuff about like sexuality at a young age all resonated very deeply with me and he believed that the idea that sex is a really huge fundamental part of the psychology of human beings was just beyond the pale for him mm-hmm. so yeah. Anyway, you mentioned Freud. I'm not saying everything he said was a good idea, but it was definitely a, a really brilliant mind who For changed sure. who changed the world. And changed psychology. Like what I what I, so I do like all the psychoanalysis stuff. Like that's that but I like more modern versions of it, like a psychodynamic approach where you're you are really digging back into like your relationship with your parents, but you're also taking into account like things that have happened in later life and different stages you go through that don't all go back to like your relationship with your mom. You know, it's, it's broader than that, but I think none of that would exist without Freud having, you know, created his psychosexual stages. No, I totally agree. The therapy that we do is called Imago therapy and it's, it's very heavily tailored towards what, what you experience as a child. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm talking, he was really into dream interpretation and you know, he would he would spend entire sessions writing down his p- patients' dreams, and he believed that you could actually get to the root of your neurosis by interpreting your dreams. Do you ever think that a dream has is? What do you think dreams are? We don't know what dreams are. But what do you? We don't. Not what do you know? What do you? What do you? Do you think I don't that, know. 
So, so I think that sometimes my dreams are my brain firing off neurons and, and getting rid of stuff, right? And sometimes I think my dreams are my unconscious having like anxiety that I haven't processed in life and it comes up in a, a specific way and I feel it in that context. And then I either hopefully let it go or I remember it and I'm like, oh God, what a, I mean, what a terrible dream I just had. And sometimes they're pretty on the nose and then sometimes maybe not so much. But. I just think in the context of like a professional helping you understand what your problems are. Yeah. I think you're wasting your money if you're paying someone to listen to you talk about your dreams just because we don't know. And right. what I think we actually, what I actually do know that we're good at is making sense out of chaos because that's mm-hmm. how we've survived. So I think we have dreams that make no sense. We ascribe almost nothing to them, right? right. Or, and, we, and we mostly dream things that we don't remember. We don't ascribe anything meaningful to that. But we'll have a dream where someone we know is in the dream or we're worried about work and then we'll dream about uh, not our teeth falling out. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, oh, well, that's what it is. We, you had the tooth dream because you're worried <laughs> about work. And it's like, well, what about all the other bullshit that you don't think about? Right. I just feel like we we make sense of it because that's what we do as people. Yeah. I think in terms of like someone telling you like, hey, I think you have a lot more chance of solving some neurosis, like a hang up you have if you talk about your childhood than if you do like, well, last night I dreamed I turned into a chicken and right. my cousin was there and then we were on a slip and slide and then I wasn't wearing pants in high school. Yeah. It's like, it, 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 don't pay for that. Don't pay money for that. I definitely agree that if all you're doing is talking about your dreams, you're going to, it's going to be a long road to hoe. You know, it's going <laughs> to totally. be a long, long path. You're going to be dead before you, you, you level up. But uh, you'll um, be dead before you get through the first dream. You ever listen to someone tell you about a dream? I have to tell you, I'm not going to about to tell you a dream. Don't worry. But I <laughs> did once have a dream that was so viscerally real about my two, my friends, Jack and David, that I had been, I'm not going to tell you the dream. I had been invited to their birthday party in real life and I couldn't yeah. go. And then in the dream, I go to the birthday party and all of these wild antics ensue. And it was the, it, I woke up laughing because it was so funny. And I, I was like, I had... I, to this day, feel closer to the two of them because we went through this experience together in oh, my brain. Man. I've had dreams where my wife did something mean to me in the dream and I woke up and I was angry with her about it. I felt, <laughs> I felt, the, sa- I felt the exact same visceral like emotional anger than, than as if she had done it. That's so, yeah. Which yeah. is how powerful dreams can be. Yes, totally. Like, I think they're very powerful and mysterious and maybe they do unlock something. I just don't think we know enough yet, right. you know? I don't think it's hard. To, I don't think it's bad to explore. Maybe don't spend hundreds of dollars to explore. But Joe and I have also had dreams where, where we either kind of betray each other in some emotional way or we make each other angry. And I, ha- and I have to be like, babe, I'm so angry at Dream You right now. I can't mm-hmm. believe Dream You did that. And he's like, God, that really sucks of Dream Me. And then sometimes Joe has dreams where he, you know, like is about to hook up with this great girl and then was like, God, I can't, oh, wait, I, I have, oh, Katie, I already have a girlfriend. I can't, and, and won't go through with it in the dream. And I'm like, babe, you get a free pass. You get a free pass in dreamland. Okay, let's get back to this world of narcissism, shall we? More about me and dreams. Wow, this test at the end of the episode, this is gonna tell us a lot. Okay, two more things. 1925, uh, Robert Wilder, Walder, Wilder. He uh, was the first to uh, discuss narcissism as a personality trait, and his definition described people um, as being condescending and superior and preoccupied with admiration and exhibiting a lack of empathy, which I think is super key. And then Karen Horney in 1939 brought up the idea that narcissism is on a spectrum that ranges from healthy self-esteem all the way to like you know, personality disorder, pathological issues. So I wanted to do this whole um, literature review on what factors in childhood lead someone to being attracted to a narcissist in adulthood. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I'm so, because there's these podcasts that I listen to. I'm like really passionate about people, women and men who give their power away to someone else. Like, how does that happen? We all give our power away in certain ways, but, but, for some of these people, it is like, I mean, so far gone. It's like, how did that happen? How did you give your time and your energy and your money over and over and over? Like, why didn't you see those red flags? Not from a judgy way, but just from this sort of compassionate, how did that happen? Like, let's look at that way. Well, I <clears throat> I would be willing to bet you that a lot of it 
is mommy and daddy. Yeah, to for be sure. honest with you, either mommy and daddy or mommy or daddy were a narcissist. Mm-hmm. So that's your model of like the first what love authority, is authorities who loved you right. and took care of you and literally fed you from their bodies and created you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how they were. Yeah. Or mommy and daddy, you know. Well, I think it just starts there. I totally agree. And I'm I was wondering like what are the, you know, is it that you have a narcissistic parent is, you know, does that have to be it or are there other you know things that can contribute? And so I started looking up research and there wasn't not very much. So That's really surprising. Well, I was talking to my professor about it and he was like, you know, narcissists don't think that they have an issue. So they're not going to go in and like chat about stuff and now maybe with time children of narcissists who have like as we kind of grow and evolve will will kind of the research will be able to kind of come but it's just not going to come as quickly because if you have anxiety you're going to go on being like oh i have anxiety and then they're going to research the hell out of that a narcissist's going to think he's great and either go out and destroy lives or make millions of dollars or both i follow a uh, a subreddit called raised by narcissists really because I suspect that, like most people that had troubled childhoods, I suspect that my, some of my my dad that my dad is one, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's just people sharing their stories about what their parents are like. It's mostly younger people. I mean, I'm almost forty, so I don't spend too much time anymore, like having a lot of neurosis about my parents. Because right. at some point, you have to grow up and move on. And so at some point, even if they caused your problems, what are you going to do about it? It's you know. Well, it's still yours to figure out once you're an adult. Yeah, and I'm a dad now, and it's mm-hmm. like I, I just can't I can't spend my whole life about mommy and daddy. Like I just can't do it. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, it is younger people, but I like to read their stories because they some of them ring true for me. Like, oh yeah, I've actually experienced that. Yeah. Now this is a bunch of untrained, you know. Sure. This is just a bunch of people on Reddit, but it is fascinating that that that's not like a lot of studies on it, but it's a lot of people just sharing experiences. You know. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see like a real a real serious attempt to codify and understand it. Yeah. But yeah, that's going to be hard if most of the people that have it don't think they have it. There's a TV show called Couples Therapy on Showtime that had a couple of seasons and I watched, I loved it, um, but I watched it recently and one of the couples in it, you know, you see them, the the husband and wife come in and they're in couples therapy and you see the therapist work with them. And I was so turned off by this guy. It was like, hard, my blood was boiling. It was hard to watch. And I mean, he seemed to me deeply narcissistic. And then, you know, but she never calls him out on that or anything. And then you see her talk to her supervisor separately. And she's, she talks about, she doesn't call him a narcissist there either, but she's, she comments on his like lack of empathy and how she feels like she's betraying the wife when she tries to connect with him on his level because her job, since they're in there trying to work on their relationship, is to help them work on their relationship. It's not for her to be like, you're a narcissist, you got to get out of here, right? And so she's trying to connect with with both of them, and but feels on a personal level like she's abandoning the woman when she is reaching out to him, even though she doesn't really agree with him. And I thought that was yeah. so, so interesting. That is a very interesting, like, dilemma. Yeah, and I think that would be a super fun world for me to live in the couples therapy and the more i do it the more i learn about it the more i'm like i think this could be really something i want to do so it's a great show to watch at what point do you say to a woman or to a dude whoever the you know the spouse says it's being more in the line of abuse from that at what point do you say like hey they're a shithead (laughs) i don't (laughs) my my advice is to yeah i don't know I don't, I, I don't know if you guys get taught that or whatever. But. I mean, I haven't been taught anything around that yet, but except that you have to have like a therapeutic alliance. And if both people are your clients, you don't judge them and call them a shithead. You have to like help, help like, uh, in, you know, enlighten them on things and help kind of shine a light in areas where they can grow. And hopefully they do. And they, they do that work. You can challenge them. It does seem like uh, fundamentally problematic that, they're on TV. I mean, that seems like yes, you're going to have a harder time, I think, really breaking through if you're worried about being on TV. Well, the interesting thing is that narcissists generally, generally speaking, like, and I'm not talking people who have some narcissism, but like way end of the spectrum and then personality disorder level, they're not going to go to therapy. And so when I when I was watching this, I was like, well, why is he here? And I was like, oh, well, he's on TV. 
you know. Like, oh, there you go. They usually only come in if they're mandated or if their partner is like, we've got to do this. So clearly his partner said, hey, we've got to do this. But also there was the, the TV element. And it's uh, well, there's a po- there's a podcast I, I really recommend that Esther Perel does. Are you familiar with her at all? Oh, Esther Perel? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I have, I've only heard a little bit, but yeah. Well, she's she's really great. And my wife's a big fan of hers. My friend Brian, who's also a therapist, is a big Esther Perel fan. And uh, she do- she does on her podcast, she'll have audio of some of her sessions. So it's, it's all anonymous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're hearing actual audio. That's cool. And Man, sometimes you understand both sides of what's going on, and sometimes it's really brutal to listen to and really fascinating hearing. She, she's, she's been doing this a long time, mm-hmm. and she's highly respected in this world and kind of a master of this craft, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting hearing her use her expertise and her tools to dismantle and to help and mm-hmm. to pull it back together. I mean, it's really fascinating. I highly recommend it if any of this stuff's interesting to any of our listeners. When she challenges people, like how how does she do that? I mean, I'm assuming she doesn't say, ooh, you're a real shithead, but maybe she does. I've never heard her say that. Um, I'm thinking of one particular case where a guy had, he had had an affair. And so him and his wife were there to sort of deal with that. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to stay together. They wanted to work it out, which is cool. I, I respect and appreciate that. But he had a lot of really bad ideas about why he was the one who did it Mm -hmm. and he kind of had a sort of self-justifying kind of self-righteous deal about it instead Mm -hmm. of humility really understanding like the fissure he caused in his relationship he was just very kind of arrogant about it and he was the one who did it like he didn't really have any he wasn't penitent about it right he just had a big blind spot sounds like he had a real lack of empathy for his wife yeah he sounded like a shithead to me um (laughs) So she was, she was just kind of, she went at him pretty hard actually, but mm-hmm. she, um, she did it in a way that really didn't cause him to, he, he stayed open, you know, right. like she did it in a way I think that got through, um, wow. shoot, I wish I could remember the name of the episode, but, um, anyway, everyone go check that out. It's E-S-T-H-E-R, Esther Perel. Esther Perel. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's such a skill. Like that's impressive to be able to like challenge someone and still maintain that connection and their trust. Know, and, yeah. And, and that alliance, like that's, that's the goal, right? Yes, yeah, totally. How to do that in those hard moments. Okay. I'm going to read to you the DSM five definition of narcissistic personality disorder. So this is what's DSM five. DSM five is the, um, the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders. So it's the big fancy book that, you know, psychologists put together to like label every disorder. And it's, there's some great things about it. You need to have things organized. You need to be able to put people in the, in the right world that they're in when they struggle. And then also for like insurance reasons, it's sometimes important to give people, you know, a diagnosis so that they can get the help that they need. It's also flawed in my opinion, because it's just made by people and it's continually evolving. Like, you know, being gay used to be in there. That's not a disorder, you know? So it's like, as we, I think it's always going to be a little bit behind where we are because by the time it's printed up and used for a few years, we're on to the next. Mm -hmm. And also it's weird because like, if you like for narcissistic personality disorder, you have to have uh, five or more of the criteria. Well, what if you have four, Mm. you know, then right. Not a narcissist. Right. It's like such a fine line, which is why I think a lot of these things are actually on a spectrum. It's not dichotomous. It's not, well, you have it or you don't. It's where are you on the on the spectrum of this struggle or this issue? Hmm. Okay. So narcissistic personality disorder is a pervasive pattern of grandiosity in fantasy or behavior, a need for admiration and a lack of empathy beginning in early adulthood and presents in a variety of contexts as indicated by five or more of the following. And I'll go through these fast. They have a grandiose sense of importance. So they're exaggerating talents and achievements and they want to be recognized and they feel um, they want to feel superior without actually having to do the work to make themselves superior. They are preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited power and success and brilliance and beauty um, or ideal love. They believe that they are special and unique and can only be understood by or should only associate with other special or high status people or institutions. They require excessive admiration. They have a sense of entitlement. Um, They want especially favorable treatment, 
or automatic compliance with their expectations. Um, they're interpersonally exploited. Exploit, ex, exploitative. Exploitative. Wow. I'm in grad school. They take advantage of others to achieve their own ends. They lack empathy. They are unwilling to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others. They're often envious of others or believe that others are envious of them. And they have arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes. So that's nine criteria. Hmm. You have to have five or more in a way that disrupts your life uh, in order to have the like actual personality disorder. That's a really good caveat because a lot of those things I either have and like about myself, have and don't like about myself, like have and actively subdue. Mm-hmm. Three, want to have but don't have. But I think the caveat is in a way that disrupts your life. Oh, yes. So That's really important. So some of these things like, you know, there's self-esteem. Like, I think exactly. I'm special. I also think right. everyone else is special. You know, it's like, I don't <laughs> think I'm special above all others, but I like right. myself. But so you, that, you saying that completely describes how different we are. Because you're like, look, I think I'm special, but I think everyone's special. And I'm like, well, I think I'm special, but I, I know no one is special. <laughs> Which is basically the same thing, because if everyone's yes. special, no one's special. Right. So we're kind of getting, it just, it, it really highlights our dispositions. That's funny. Like, I believe I'm special, but I know that no one really is special. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> and I feel like if you don't believe you're special, what are you doing? You may as well believe you're special. You're not going to get an award for not believing you're special. That's true. That's true. No one's going to give you an honesty award. You believe you're special. Yeah. I, uh, I think if you believe you're special, good things happen to you. I think people who believe they're special succeed. Well, I think we're both special, and as are <laughs> all of our listeners, <laughs> and I even all it. the narcissists in the world, they're special too. But here's the other caveat I want to say is that in all other kind of disorders, not personality disorders, but all others, the person who's suffering from the, with the, the disorder, struggling with it, mm-hmm. is the person whose life is upended in some way. Not other people's, right. right. But with personality disorders, for many of them, they kind of are okay on They're some level. They're not suffering. Yes, it's the people around them who are suffering, but that's not listed in here. It's not saying you have narcissistic personality disorder if you have five of these or more of these criteria and the people, the main people in your life, people you work with, your family, your friends, if you have any, those are the people who are suffering. It's hmm. if you are. So it's a little bit like of a catch-22 because I think of people in our w- world who perhaps have some of these characteristics and I'm like, well, yeah, they're a shell of a human on the inside, but they're also doing fine. It's the people around them who are falling like, you know, dominoes. Yeah, we're starting to kind of, that's really starts to get um, to the point of why this is hard to talk about in a way because- mm-hmm. It's like psychopaths being, you know, like I'm getting this wrong. No one out there write in about this specifically. But this idea that like a lot of people who are ex- on high on the spectrum of socio and psychopaths are like Fortune 500 CEOs. Right. Because they're missing something that allows you to actually care about the the, the capitalist, you know, crushing machine mm-hmm. appeals to them. Whereas normal people are like, well, I'd like to have a lot of money, but at what expense to like my relationships and my family and other people and right. then other people are like, well, I just want to dominate and crush and kill and have as much. Right. And then, and then they, they, those are the people that tend to get it because the world doesn't necessarily care what kind of person you are. The world just responds to what you do. And so without naming names, like someone like a, uh, someone like maybe a former president of the United States. Yeah. And it could have been, it who, could be any of them who seems to, not be great at relationships or empathy or like really fundamental parts of human experience, but has a lot of wealth, money, powerful, a beautiful wife, a beautiful family kind of seems to have a lot of what people aspire to. He exhibiting kind of the American dream. Now what, what it costs you to get it, he's willing to pay it or this person would be willing to pay it or maybe not even know that it's out there because they don't feel much of it. Right. But a lot of normal people will look at that and go, well, goddamn, I mean, that, that's what I want. A beautiful family, money, power, freedom. Mm -hmm. That's tough. That makes this whole thing pretty tough. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that there's, you know, I have a list of like, I found a list of, again, from the internet. So take it for what it's worth, but of, of famous people from the past who, had narcissism or could have struggled with 
high levels of narcissism and it's it's a lot of people who have been like world leaders right you know and there's i wonder if there's overlap because like when you say like you talk about a sociopath that's a so my understanding of a psychopath and a sociopath and and if i am wrong or if i'm not getting this totally right which is possible i apologize but my understanding is that psychopaths legitimately have something in their brain that is different where they can't even see like if if I'm causing you pain, Clint, and I'm looking at your face, I can't even see the pain on your face. Like I can't; it doesn't register right. with me. No empathy. Whereas, but to be a sociopath, that's a learned coping behavior that stems hmm. from a severely traumatized childhood. Gotcha. And oftentimes, I think there can be—I shouldn't say oftentimes. I wonder if, and I think that there could be overlap between like you know, sociopathy and narcissism and antisocial personality disorder, because those are all kind of in a, a world that lives together. Well, even people who don't do horrible things, like I'm thinking about someone like Michael Jordan, like I'm thinking about athletes mm-hmm. or like a Tom Brady who want to win at all costs. And and I actually even heard someone say one time that these are, you know, in another world when there's not NBA, someone mm-hmm. like Michael Jordan would have been like a war general mm. because he has this kind of insatiable and almost insane desire to dominate and mm. crush and win and kill. Mm. And it got channeled into like competitive sports, which is like almost just a way of like domesticating right. lunatics. Like maybe someone should have given Jeffrey Dahmer a, a goddamn basketball. But <laughs> um, even if they're not doing bad things, I think you can have these problems. Like Michael Jordan was once asked, he was like, hey, would you ever want to be a coach? And he's like, there's no way I would even want to do it because what I would demand of the players would not be reasonable. Like, because I would demand what I demand for myself, which is what complete excellence. So I wouldn't want to put anyone through it. But that's here's my here's my my thought on that. He has that awareness, right? He's like, I right. what I that's empathy. What I would demand right. of them is unreasonable, and I have enough empathy to understand that. Versus, sure. yeah, I'm going in, and if you mess up one time, you're dead to me, right? Because it's all about me. You know, right. So I think like I think even that is like maybe he has I mean, sure. I mean, I would assume he has some narcissism in there, but but maybe he's put it in into productive ways. But he still has a awareness of where his levels are to or his expectations would be too much for someone else or would be unfair to put on someone else. And I think that that bit of empathy is like an important piece. But even him describing it in a way where he's like, oh, I I wouldn't want to do that to them. Mm-hmm. It's really he brings it back to himself because he's like because that's what I demand for myself. Mm-hmm. So look at so look at me. Yeah, I can't I can't possibly expect other people, mere mortals, to do what I do. <laughs> right, and therefore I'll spare them the, me being their leader. I'll you know? spare them the failure that would inevitably come. <laughs> exactly because they can't be me. Right, 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 right. Man, that is fucked up. Actually, so there are two kinds of narcissism. Um, there's the Clint's and the Katies. There's the Clint's and the Katies. <laughs> There's the Michael Jordans and the nameless <laughs> and the presidents. Tom Brady's. But there's two kinds. There's the grandiose, which is the kind of the one we're talking about right now, which is the one that is more apparent, like bigger to see. It's the people who who talk a big talk and have no empathy and think they're amazing and have, you know, it's 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 the people we've been talking about. There's also though vulnerable narcissism which I didn't even know existed. And when I found out about it, I was fascinated because I think this is the sneakier part of narcissism that, you know, you don't even have to have a personality disorder. Like you're just struggling with vulnerable narcissism on a spectrum, but it's like covert and it's kind of under the radar and it manifests differently and it's harder for people to see. And I think it's easier in some ways for people to be, manipulated by it and for people around that vulnerable narcissist to really like have their energy drained and and be taken in by it i'm thinking of two people in my life right now where this is starting to ring a pretty big bell for me okay and i haven't even heard the definition so if grandiose narcissism is characterized by arrogance and high levels of egoism low levels of empathy there's self-praise there's devaluation of others also by the way tends to be more frequent in males just kind of overall how dare you I know. I'm sorry. It's just the facts. I'm reading a book right now about male violence and like the history of male violence and sex, and it's very not nice about men. So no problem for me. Don't worry about me. You've always been pretty, pretty good about just uh, having a having a fair look at the world and, you know, saying, saying things as they are. I like that about try you. Try to be. 
Okay, so vulnerable narcissism is characterized by uh, kind of like being timid, embarrassment, high anxiety, uh, and having a really frail self-esteem that is influenced and regulated by others. So your self-esteem is really uh, affected by those around you. Now, that's not to say you always show that to people, but that's what's going on on the inside. They're more inclined to experience negative emotions when their relationships are threatened. Um, they have depression, anxiety, and it's found equally in males and females. But it's it's like really sneaky. So there's uh, a lack of empathy. Narciss- these people who have vulnerable narcissism, otherwise known as covert narcissism, are often really dismissive of other people's feelings and are like oblivious to this. They can oftentimes spin things, spin situations or feelings of others and make it about themselves. They can be passive aggressive. They tend to observe their surroundings with judgment and quiet scrutiny. So a byproduct of this type of narcissism tends to manifest as being lukewarm and sentiment. So the covert narcissist often appears like calm and detached and also can frequently display unsettling nonverbal cues, which resonates for me because the number of times in life with different people I have not had a verbal cue, but but like, you know, you talk about we read each other's body language and you're just so like tapped into how someone feels based on based on just how they're behaving, but not their actual mm-hmm. words. Yeah. I mean, I could, I can walk into, I'm not saying, uh, I'm just piggybacking off that one yeah. comment about body language, but like, I can see, I can look at my wife, like with her back to me, like in a room and tell yeah. sometimes that like, yeah, yeah she's yeah. having a tough day or something. Yeah. Cause you get to know people on that level and then, yeah, yeah. And I just think we're so wired to like, take information in from around us like we're just so especially in a social context well most you know communication is actually nonverbal. although most covert narcissists are people who struggle with this are capable of like contributing to a conversation equally many of them are also very poor listeners they will uh, make unfair assessments They might deploy stonewalling techniques such as blocking you out whenever you're speaking or trying to make a point, or they may listen to you half-heartedly. They're very sensitive. They can get combative and offended at the smallest slight or perceived criticism. They can struggle to create and sustain like genuine, healthy, long-term relationships. And they often have a calm exterior and smugness that serves as a protective barrier to the rest of the world and is often seen, it's often a defense mechanism to keep others at a distance. And basically their goal is to conceal their inadequacies and their feeling of low worth. So they're trying to cover up all of this like feeling of inadequacy and this these, these self-shame stuff, but they're very quiet and manipulative and subtle with their narcissism. And they're trying to, they are trying to make it all about them, but without Telling the world it's all about that. Man, that is really ringing a bell for me mm-hmm. in my life. What do you do with someone that you care about? And you're like, okay, you've created, you have this like survival mechanism mm-hmm. called vulnerable narcissism or whatever. This is the costume you put on to survive mm-hmm. when you were a kid. But under that, it really is just you're reacting to and building this world because of low self-worth. But here's what I've experienced with these people. Is yeah, they need to be filled up. They're empty. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. I don't know why. And they don't know why. And their emptiness is probably really painful for them, mm-hmm. especially if they encounter someone that's like really strong with in terms of self-esteem because mm-hmm. it, it's like a mirror for what they, something don't, they have. don't have. Right. My gut reaction to that is to retreat from it because I'm like, I'm not your mom, your daddy. You're mm-hmm. an adult. But I have had occasional moments where I'm like, I want to help this person. Like, I really want to help them. And I found that when I heap praise on them, for example, like you have, it's like, obvious sometimes it's like okay you have low self-esteem mm-hmm. no one ever gave you that or you know you can't self-generate it someone's like okay well i'm gonna take some time and like i'm gonna speak to that like you were really great at a b and c and this is what you bring to the table of our friendship this is mm-hmm. what you bring to the table of the community of friends you've built i'm not saying that conversation is going to solve a problem but what i have found is it fills that person up and then it, it i call them the leaky cauldron because then it leaks right back mm-hmm. out yeah and then before you know it you're just like i'm too drained I'm too exhausted to like do this every day. Yes. So how do you help that person? Well, I don't know that you can. Put them on an island, never speak to them again? <laughs> no, them I definitely together. not. Well, but first of all, what you're saying about like, <laughs> you know, you, you do that and then you feel drained because you keep yes. doing it all over and over. Like what you have to do to take care of yourself and also to not enable them is to have good emotional boundaries. 
Like it's not actually your job to fill up their bucket at the expense of yours. Y'all need right. to be mutually filling up each other's bucket. And if that right. r- if that reciprocity isn't happening, then you have to have an emotional boundary of like, hey, I can't show up for you in this way because you're not standing on equal footing. So I think having really good emotional boundaries, and if they're if they're on the spectrum of this and they're struggling with some way, like they should go get a therapist or or figure out what that self-love thing is underneath it because no one's going to be able to fill that bucket for them ever. They have to. It really damages the relationship for me. Yeah. Because it just forces me to retreat. And then I actually even resent them for it mm-hmm. because I feel like they brought too much stinky doo-doo to the relationship and I had to clean it up and then it couldn't stay clean. Like, yeah. I've had friends who have gone through stuff and while they were going through it, it really messed them up and they got really lost and it really stressed out the friendship. Mm-hmm. And I had to help fill them up. But then when they got filled up, they got well. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was like, hey, thank you for being there for me. Right. I really needed that. Right. But, but my friends that just stay in this perpetual victim or like I just need my friends to treat me like kids or whatever, right. I, I end up kind of terminating those friendships. Yeah. I mean, I would understand why you would. I mean, I think it's got to be harder the closer you are with somebody like that. If it's a family member yes. or a partner or a right. friend since childhood or sibling or something like that. Let me read this real quick. People who struggle with covert narcissism, vulnerable narcissism, have an often impressive ability to manipulate others and remain adored and unrecognized. They're charming. People like them. But they're causing deep pain and division within relationships, families, or workplaces. Okay. So, does your intuition tell you, you know, know, you're talking about these people who like, this is raising a red flag for you. You know, does your intuition tell, is your intuition telling you something's off? that maybe this relationship or friendship feels a bit empty. It sounds like you are because you are very aware of like you're filling these other people's buckets up and they're not able to pick up and move forward. It's just like an unending cycle. I'm in a situation where I spend a lot of really heightened time with certain people because I travel. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe someone who exhibits what you're describing can get away with it easier in small doses around in social settings. For sure. Whereas you cram them cram them together and you're like, well, hmm. Okay. Can't hide you can't hide for long. Yeah, well you can know or when you're around someone if like they're a slow drain on your energy or if there's someone that you spend time with and well everybody has good days and bad days, but overall you're like, Oh, I I like being around this person. Yeah, it makes me feel good. I, I make them feel good, they make me feel good. There's a there's a back and forth happening versus just this slow drip from you into them that then they slowly drip out because there's a hole in their bucket and they got to patch that up. Hmm. Fascinating. It's hard because it's it's really sad. Uh, it's a, It's got to be a sad existence to be in, even if you're not deep in it, even if you just struggle with it some. And it's like for those people, I hope that there's an ability to like have some awareness and go and and talk to somebody or or find some some help because everyone on any level, personality disorder, all the way to healthy narcissism struggles and deserves love. You know, I, every, every, I, I think everyone deserves, you know, love. There are actions that are inexcusable, but everybody was a baby once, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I just have compassion for, I don't know if I could really, I don't know if I could sit in a session with someone who is deeply narcissistic I think it's me at this point too much of a trigger for me, too much of a thing that gets me riled up, but I still have compassion for that person. You know, hmm. I like right. want them to be okay. I just don't right. want them to be okay at the expense of others. Okay. I have a list of narcissists in movies. Do you want to look, do you want to take a quick look at that? See if I we, do want to hear that. Yeah. All right. Some of these movies I know, and I, I had already thought like, Oh, we got to talk about this dude. And then some of them I don't actually know. Okay, so Miranda Priestly and The Devil Wears Prada. You remember that movie? I do. So Miranda Priestly uh, would be a a, a a person struggling with narcissism for sure. Okay. Uh, we've got Gilroy Lockhart. This is my personal favorite on the list. Do you know that guy? I don't. Okay, he is from uh, Harry Potter uh, book two, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. He really thought highly of himself uh, wanted to be the center of attention, did not have the chops to like, you know, follow through with what he was claiming to be. Um, also one of the most fun characters ever. This is a great one. Patrick Bateman, American Psycho. 
Oh, one of yeah. my favorite movies and novels ever. Do you have any questions? Do we have anything else we need to cover before we give you this quiz? I mean, I have a lot of questions and I could talk about this with you for a long time. That's how interesting it is. Mm-hmm. But I think we've really covered a lot. I think okay. we can. I want to. Yeah, I have one question. Did yeah. you are you a narcissist or not? I want to well, know what your results were. I think I should tell you the results after we give you the test. And then let's give our results at the same time. Okay, so Katie, tell us where we can take the test. And I want, for anyone interested who has the time and is is uh, willing and able, I want them to take the test with us and then write in and let us know what the results are. So where can yeah. they find this test that we are about to take? Okay, so it's at psychcentral.com. Let me see if I can give you a specific. Okay, so uh, PSYC, psychcentral.com slash quizzes slash narcissistic dash personality dash quiz hashtag 20. And it will be in the show notes right below you. So you can just look at the show notes yeah. on however you're listening to this. And Katie did it on her uh, iPhone. So you can do it on your phone. Yeah. And uh, let's get into these results and we'll talk about it later. All right, I'm ready to tell my wife if I'm a narcissist or not. And this will be definitive proof forever. I'll be able to tell anybody, mm-hmm. go listen to my podcast with Katie. I took the test and hopefully I passed it. Okay, so I'm going to read two statements and I want you to tell me for each of these questions, I want you to tell me which statement best matches you, even if it's not exactly right, which one best matches you. Okay. I have a natural talent for influencing people. I am not good at influencing people. A, number one. Modesty doesn't become me. Uh, I'm essentially a modest person. That's kind of a tough one. Uh, I would say B on that one. I would do almost anything on a dare. I tend to be a fairly cautious person. B. Okay. Someone told me to put uh, hot sauce in my ass once. Oh. I, I, I auditioned for a band and got the audition. It was my first night on the bus. And the band leader was like, I'll tell you one thing we do up here. We do crazy stuff with hot sauce. We're really into hot sauce. And I was like, uh, you can just fire me now if you want to. But I said, I will never do any of that ever with hot sauce. That's So anyway, that's me when people dare me to do stuff. Dude, okay. I bet you won't do this. You're, You're correct. Right. I'm I not doing not. it. <sighs> okay. Uh, when people compliment me, I sometimes get embarrassed. Or... I know that I am good because everyone keeps telling me so. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, uh, between those two, I'd have to go with A. Okay. But as when you read A, I was like, I'm probably going to go for B. But then I didn't like B at all. Well, yeah. That you just, it doesn't have to be exactly right. Just best okay. matches you. Okay, cool. Okay. The thought of ruling the world frightens the hell out of me. Or if I ruled the world, it would be a better place. Oh, man. Gosh. Both, I feel... Yeah, it's a hard one. I'd have to go with A. That, that sounds that sounds like a pandering dummy, but I'd have to go with A. Um, no, I get it. I'm not trying to choose the most virtuous of these answers. I really am trying to be honest. No, no, I hear you. I, I agree. Okay, I can usually talk my way out of anything, or I try to accept the consequences of my behavior. I mean, A, but I don't not accept consequences, but I can talk myself out of shit. I just flash a little leg. You just flash a little guitar on a mountaintop. And then you get escorted right through. Uh, Okay, next one. I prefer to blend in with the crowd, or I like to be the center of attention. Oh, man. I guess B is true. Okay. If I'm being honest. Yeah. I will be a success, or I am not too concerned about success. A. Yeah, me too. Uh, I am no better or worse than most people, or... I think I am a special person. Dang. <laughs> God, this is hard. I know. And I feel like it makes me sound like a shithead. No way. I- I'm going to go with A on that one. A is what I truly believe, like deep down, or what I know to be true. I'm pretty sure I said I think I'm a special person on that one. <laughs> really established. I think I'm special too. I'll- I believe I'm special. I just know that I'm not. Okay. I think you're answering very honestly. Okay. 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 I'm, I'm not sure if I would make a good leader or I see myself as a good leader. I see myself as a good leader for sure. Okay. I am assertive or I wish I were more assertive. A. 
Okay. A is for assertive. A is for assertive. Uh, all right. I like to have authority over other people. Or I don't mind following orders. A, for sure. I find it easy to manipulate people. Or I don't like it when I find myself manipulating people. Oh, B. Yeah, two. I like how that one was framed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in either way, in both instances, you're manipulating people. But it's like, <laughs> how do you feel about it? Well, I, I just recognize that I can have a strong influence, but I don't like that about myself. And I don't like that. I've had to really come to terms with taking responsibility for it. Yeah. Said like a true non-narcissist, if I'm being honest. I'm loving it. Um, okay. I insist upon getting the respect that is due to me. Or I usually get the respect I deserve. Hmm. I'm going to go with B on that one. Okay. Next one. I don't particularly like to show off my body. Or <laughs> I like to show off my body. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> God did give me a lot to work with, but I'm going to have to go with A on that one. Guy who can't even look in the mirror. Yeah, sure. I laughed at that one when thinking about giving, when answering this myself and thinking about giving you that one. That just made me laugh last night when I took this test. Okay. Uh, which statement, by the way, from from here, I can see a, a photo of you and me and Brian, and it says, shame over you and I and pretty good over Brian. Why does it say that? I'm going to show you to our listeners. I'm so sorry. We'll, we'll post this on the internet because it was a... Oh, yeah. Who made that? I I made it and it was... It came from you and I joking about our shame spirals about food or something, I'm sure. That's right. And then That's Brian right. was like, oh, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. He did, pretty good. He didn't have our hangups yeah. about that. Um, okay. That's funny. Uh, listeners, we will, we will, we'll, we'll release that. We'll put that on the socials. Yeah, we'll get that there. Um, Okay, uh, next one. I can read people like a book. Or, people are sometimes hard to understand. Mm, A. Okay, me too. If I feel competent, I'm willing to take responsibility for making decisions. Or, I like to take responsibility for making decisions. Hmm. Kind of a twist there on the B one. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll go with A. Okay. Um, I just actually, want- you know what, you know mm-hmm. what, I got to yeah. change that to B. B, you got it. Because I'll fake it till I make it. Hmm. I would. We've talked about that. I, I, I would rather if I'm on a ship and someone needs a leader, mm-hmm. I'll assume that role before I feel completely qualified to do it. Cool. If I feel like no one else will. Right. Oh yeah, I like that. I just want to be reasonably happy, or hmm. I want to amount to something in the eyes of the world. Uh, a. Um, next one. My body is nothing special or (laughs) I like to look at my body. (laughs) We need a whole other test for when you hate your body. That's a whole different thing. Uh, I'm going to go with H. I know this is surprising our listeners, but I'm going to go with A on that one. Okay, A on that one. Um, I actually said I like to look at my body on that one because I I think I've actually really come to terms. I really love myself now. No one can see this, but when Katie just did while she was saying that, she (laughs) just looked at her right and left arm. She just looked at her arm. Like I like, I like this body. It's a good arm, you know. These are good. These are good arms. Yeah, I'm into it. Okay. (laughs) Um, Next one. I try not to be a show off, or I will usually usually show off if I get the chance. Oh, boy. I'd go with A on that one, actually. Okay. Unless we're talking about parallel parking. I, I will go out of my way to show off parallel parking. And then when I do it great the first time, mm-hmm. I will openly and loudly brag about it. I love that for you. The last time I paralleled parked, I nearly had a panic attack. So we are we are on different spectrums of that. Like if I see strangers trying to parallel park, there is a part of me that wants to go like tap on their window and be like, let me do it. You want me? I'm, a, I'm like a human Tesla right here. I can, I can let park me do this it. car for you. Yeah, for free. Um, okay. I always know what I am doing or sometimes <laughs> I am not sure of what I'm doing. B. Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes depend on people to get things done. I rarely depend on anyone else to get things done. I got to go with A, but I don't like it. I don't like depending on people to get things done. But you do sometimes. You have to ask her. You have to. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I have to. Okay, here's a great one. Sometimes I tell good stories. Or everybody (laughs) likes to hear my stories. B. Okay. Um... (laughs) Okay, I expect a great deal from other people, or Ooh. or I like to do things for other people. 
I got to go with A on that one. Okay. I know my wife, my wife would hold me accountable to that. Mm-hmm. She will listen. So she can call, yeah. she can call in to you and then <laughs> she can call in from the other room right now, probably. <laughs> totally. Um, I will never be satisfied until I get all that I deserve or I take my satisfactions as they come. B. Yeah, me too. Okay. Compliments embarrass me or I like to be complimented. B. I have a strong will to power, or Mm. power for its own sake doesn't interest me. A. I don't care about new fads and fashions, or I like to start new fads and fashions. A. I like to look at myself in the mirror, (laughs) (laughs) or I'm not particularly interested in looking at myself in the mirror. Yeah, I like B, the very light version of my philosophy. (laughs) We already talked about it. I'm not particularly interested in it. I've, I've hung blankets over all the mirrors. It's, <laughs> it's not a it's coincidence, I guess. Okay. Oh, boy. I really like to be the center of attention, or it makes me uncomfortable to be the center of attention. Mm, I guess A on that one. Okay. I don't really like it, but it doesn't make me uncomfortable. Yeah. It makes me uncomfortable unless I'm performing or public speaking. But outside right. of that, I'm like, I work. Yeah. Oh, uh, you want to blend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, if I were, yeah. There's a lot of criteria that have to be in place for me to feel safe being the center of attention. Right. Anyway, okay. Uh, I can live my life in any way I want to, or people can't always live their lives in terms of what they want. B. Sadly true. I even answer that with like an exasperated, just like, ugh. World weary life. Uh, B. Being an authority doesn't mean that much to me, or people always seem to recognize my authority. Hmm. I guess B. Okay. I would prefer to be a leader, or it makes little difference to me whether I am a leader or not. A. Mm -hmm. Give me that conch shell. I want. I want to hold the conch shell on the island in Lord of the Flies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Period. I am going to be a great person, or (laughs) I hope I am going to be successful. (laughs) Pick B. I guess I can't imagine saying that first sentence. I'm going to be a great person. I feel like I could say that. I'm going to. I'm. I'm. I'm going to be a great person. I could person. see you. I could hear you saying it. Yeah. I feel like me saying it, I would sound weird. I am going to be a great person. I could see you saying it though. Taking my blanket off the mirror, looking myself dead in the eyes. I am going to be a great person. I'm going to have a great body, and if <laughs> I can't do that, I'll be a great person. <laughs> okay. Uh, people sometimes believe what I tell them, or I can make anybody believe anything I want them to. Uh, I'll do A on that. Okay. I wish I could do B. Okay, I am a born leader, or leadership is a quality that takes a long time to develop. Hmm. I'm going to have to say A. There you go. You got it or you don't. That's true. Uh, I wish somebody would someday write my biography. Hmm. Or I don't like people to pry into my life for any reason. A. And write it good and embellish and lie. And make me the hero, period. I mean, I'm going to write my own memoir. So it's like basically mine would be like, I am someday going to write my own autobiography. You're going to call it, I'm a great person. I'm going to be a great person. I'm going to be. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to be. Um, Okay, we have like two or three more. I get upset when people don't notice how I I look when I go out in public. Hmm. So let me say that again. I get upset when people don't notice how I look when I go out in public. Or I don't mind blending into the crowd when I go out in public. B. Because I'm famous. (laughs) I am more capable than other people. Or there is a lot I can learn from other people. B. Yeah. Uh, Okay, this is the last one. I am much like everybody else. Or I am an extraordinary person. Oh, man. Dang. What did you answer to that one? I don't remember, but in this moment, I feel like an extraordinary person. I'm pretty sure I said that. I'm at war because I feel like it's uncool to say it, but I I do believe that I'm extraordinary. I suppose I know that. that I'm not, but I believe that I am. Okay, so let's. So see. I'll answer B on that one. Okay. Drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. You have mild narcissism. Oh boy. Total narcissist is over twenty. Moderate narcissism is 16 to 18. No narcissism is up to 11, and you are within the 12 to 15 range. So you have mild narcissism. Okay, so almost none. Yeah, yeah. You're the 11 is none, right? 11 is none, six. yeah. And what do I have? 14. 
Okay, I have three narcissisms. You have three narcissisms, okay? You have three narcissisms. So what did you score? Okay, well, I have to go through your score a little bit, and then I'll tell you mine. So you scored an eight in authority, which suggests that you see yourself as a leader or as someone who values power. Is this out of 10? Uh, This is just your- This is the eight, this is the 14. So this is how the 14 breaks down. Oh, copy that. Eight of them were authority. Three were superiority- uh, which says you scored particularly high in superiority, suggesting you feel you are superior to most others, which frankly, I don't think three really counts as particularly high, to be honest. But that's all that we are special ones. But think about it, too. Like we're all, we're, we're kind of screwed because like I get on stage in front of 20,000 people almost every day and people clap mm-hmm. for me. So I don't mm-hmm. know what to do with that information other than that I made it up there and they did it. Yes. You're in movies that people see on a big screen all over the world and they dress up like you for Halloween. That's true. What are you supposed to do with that information? Just make sure that doesn't that not that the 15 doesn't turn into a 20 on this <laughs> I guess test. That's all. That's what, I guess that's all talented people like us can do. Okay, and then I'm going to say this word again wrong. Exploit exploitativeness? Exploitative. Exploitativeness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, you scored particularly, you had a three in that, suggesting you don't mind exploiting others in order to meet your own needs or goals. I don't Ooh. really feel that for you, but Gosh. you got a three on that. that um, makes, that's not good. Now, that was just three. So okay. you had a, whatever that adds up to, a 14. And then, let's see, let me get to my scores here. I just want to know if you're more or less of a narcissist than me. I, I'm I a, just want to win. I'm, um, I'm less. Did you win? I, I won. Let's see here. I have I had an eight, so I only, be, I only beat you by three. So I have no narcissism. I have I have I have negative three narcissisms because I have three more narcissisms to go before I even get to mild narcissism. Yeah, um, I had a fourteen, and you have an eight. I had an eight. Yeah, you're six narcissisms better than me. I'm that's I I am six narcissisms better than you, Clint. This is the most narcissistic thing I've said all day. Okay, so I had a five in authority which suggests that I see myself as a leader or someone who values power. And then I had three in superiority, which suggests that I feel like I'm superior to most others. Yeah, I had <laughs> so, that too. So there's that. And then it just also says that um, between 12 and 15 is average. Celebrities often score closer to 18. So we're doing great for being celebrities in our field of some sort. That's true. That's and then, true. Narcissists, like true narcissists, score over 20 based on this very official internet test. What would it... All right. So, moving more to wrapping this up. I'm just curious. What would would it be like if I scored like a 20 or higher today? I guess we probably just wouldn't be as good of friends as we are if I was that kind of person. Oh, no. But wouldn't that be an awkward combo right now? I would have suspected the test, to be honest. Like if we went through all those questions and you, like if I already took the test, if we went through and you answered all the questions and you became you registered as a narcissist, I would be like, cool, you're not one because I know you. So how did <laughs> what are what was your reasoning behind answering those? And clearly this test is flawed. That's right. what that's the story I would write around it. But if if you were truly deeply, you know, struggled with narcissism in a deep way, we for sure wouldn't be friends because I can suss that stuff out like a quickly. And I can't be around it. it you me. have had more access to like Hollywood muckety mucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had m- more access to musical muckety mucks. Right. And I don't think I know any full blown narcissists. I, that covert or vulnerable narcissism thing is mm-hmm. really going to stick with me today because it really explained a couple of relationships I have. Yeah. I'm really going to carry that with me today. But I don't know any full-blown, like, the um, what did you call them? The, the grandiose. The grandiose, yeah. the grandiose ones? We see them in, in the world, but I don't either. I mean, I I know one or two people that I, I, maybe have it, maybe are higher on the spectrum than the average Joe, you know, with that. Um, and I don't see them very often because of that. They're fun to be around, but they just can't really keep it going for long with me. Well, I think... I think another benefit of of us becoming wiser and a little older, which happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. um, Is that those people don't last long in my life. Right. I remember in my 20s, I I think I was around it a lot more because I was climbing a certain kind of network ladder or Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to tolerate those people or maybe even I was confusing their bullshit for something I maybe wanted in life or I thought that they were successful or I was attracted to their 
oh yeah stat, the, their status or whatever or the confusing i used to confuse arrogance with confidence you know right exactly mm-hmm. and now that i'm older and have been through a lot more and have more categories for all the stuff even if i didn't know some of these definitions until today which i'm smarter than i was this morning mm-hmm. um i think those relationships just i'm like no i'm not gonna deal with your stupid bullshit mm-hmm. <laughs> life's too hard and weird and i'm too busy trying to make sense of it all yeah to deal with it yeah it just costs a lot like yeah. and i value like real relationships so mm-hmm. those people just seems seem to collect like sycophants or something or they don't really need people who really know them so they just can live off of mm-hmm. the praise and the the status of it They're, maybe they have a lot of social capital but they don't have anything real the tricky part with the vulnerable narcissist though is that they're not all bad there's good stuff there too right sure otherwise yeah. they'd all be on an island by themselves so sure. it's navigating when you recognize like oh this is a dynamic in this friendship or relationship or whatever how do i how do if I if this person's going to be in my life forever, or if I'm choosing to have this person in my life now, how do I navigate the good stuff with all while also having really good emotional boundaries around mm. maybe old patterns that I'm realizing now are super draining or don't serve me or enabling them or whatever. Man, we are saving the world, as my friend Kevin says, one podcast at a time. One podcast at a time. All right, so everyone, write in. Let us know what you scored on the test. It's yeah. A to Z. A to God. Z, Clint and Katie at gmail.com. A to Z, Clint and Katie at gmail.com. And guess what? That link is also down uh, in the show notes. Yeah. You'll be able to click on it if you can't remember it like me. Mm-hmm. You can also join us on Patreon. It's only five bucks a month and you get a bunch of stuff over there. I sent out CDs and vinyl and magnets. We got a thank you from, from Stacey Sutton, by the way. Oh, okay, cool. She got her goodies in the mail. Well, you know what, Stacey? Thank you for supporting the show. Yeah, we appreciate you. We really do. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, if you are a narcissist out there, what do we need to say to those people? Get some help. Uh, please don't hurt those around you. Also, if you have <laughs> enough awareness to realize that maybe you are struggling, go find a therapist and learn to tape up your bucket so you can have lots of self-love for yourself. I, th- I really thought you were going to say learn to tape up your butts. <laughs> That's for the hot sauce, Glenn. A to Z with Clinton Katie is recorded in Los Angeles, California and Nashville, Tennessee and is produced by Clint Wills. Consider joining us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month for access to exclusive content. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Katie and Clint or send us an email to A to Z Clinton Katie at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.